Kia ora, my name is Jade Benioni and I am a coach and a guide for conscious women in business. I've been referred to before as a hippie in a boardroom and a gangster in business. And my mission is to walk beside these women as they reclaim and wield their unique power, their mana, and use it to further their own mission, their own business. In these episodes, we will normalize the conversations that are sometimes difficult to have, but are very necessary in order to create change. And we'll do that by listening to other people's stories and sharing strategies that help us to own and accept all parts of who we are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Welcome. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're good. We're recording. So introduce yourself. Good to have you here, Dossie. And um, now that I've pressed record, take it away. Introduce yourself. And I got you. Like wherever we flow, wherever we row is where the boat goes. I'm into that in a big way. Mm-hmm. Flowing, rowing. Yep. Boats glowing, ever growing, mm-hmm. tiptoeing. But I don't tiptoe. I dance on both feet in a trance. How's that for a podcast intro? You ever had someone just rap at you? Nah, and I'm feeling it. It's good. It's yeah, good. I just, that was off the dome. Yeah. Um, how are you? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here, Jay. Thank you first and foremost for having me on the show. Mm. And um, yeah, like, you know, we've, we've had a couple of messages back and forth the last week or so, and I've been excited. I've been excited to dabble deep with you. So. What's that? No other way. There's no other way. But um, quick introduction. Who am I? I'm Hayden, Hayden Dinsdale. You can probably see it if you're watching this. My name is listed in the bottom corner there. Usually helps. Uh, Thanks, Zoom. Actually, it's worth noting if you are looking at my name, there is no E in it. And that has plagued me my entire life. I'm forever saying Hayden, H-A-Y-D for dog, Infinelli without the E. And still people find a way to misspell it and mispronounce it it's my gift it's my curse you know it's a blessing of being unique but um that's what you get that's what you get when you're named after an austrian composer <laughs> <laughs> well i think you'll respect that i took extra notice of that and when i put up the post on facebook i was like oh e or no oh e or no e or just in it's like no nah, just in yeah so i was yeah. telling you it's good. It's good that you're paying attention. Yeah. But look, what it does do it in my favor, it makes me very easy to find. So if anyone enjoys this podcast at the end of this and they want to look me up, uh, Hayden Densdale in Google, in Facebook, in wherever you want to put it, you're most likely going to find me because as far as I know, to the best of my awareness and understanding, I am the only Hayden Densdale on the planet. There you go. Whereas if I was a John Smith or a Mary Windsor... <laughs> might be a different story mary windsor is a cool name though i'm just gonna put that one out there maybe i will become a mary windsor at some point that is actually pretty cool day you come yeah um but i digress so i've managed to circumvent a formal introduction somehow uh it's again another gift of mine i am hayden i am based in geelong i was born and raised on the southeast coast of victoria and I have <clears throat> you know, found myself on the opposite side of the bay in recent times. 
I was scheduled to be living in Bali, but COVID struck the old COVIDly. Now I'm living in a house with my beautiful partner and just living the dream, you know. I have a I have a I have a green screen background, as you can see. Well, it's actually blue, but it works as a green. And I have a biz, I have a coaching business, and it sort of runs under the label of the self-mastery life, which you might be able to identify behind me there. I'm an NLP coach and I typically work with people. Uh, to overcome self-sabotage, elevate self-worth and eliminate self-doubt. That is sort of my main jam. And I am the man at doing that. But in the meantime, what I do enjoy in my spare time is I am a an avid uh, music lover, particularly in the vein of metal, rap and punk. I know three kind of diverse genres, but I am quite eclectic when it comes to my music taste. I am an aficionado when it comes to uh, all things music knowledge, and, you know, I just enjoy uh, the adventurous things in life. And I enjoy the simple things as life goes on. As I get a little bit older, I just sort of have come to realize that I enjoy my own time quite a lot. So I spend a lot of time reading. Actually, funny enough, I'm looking tucked away in my desk here. What have we got here? What do you got? Books. Got. We've got books everywhere. I got, where's that? Dan Priestley's. Key Person of Influence, great mm -hmm. book. If you ever want to have a solid read on becoming a key person of influence. Uh, Dr. Russ Harris's The Happiness Trap. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that one. not a bad read. Mm -hmm. And this one is uh, Millionaire Success Habits. So anyway, I do like reading, mostly in the vein of uh, personal development, but I do enjoy uh, biographies, autobiographies, uh, history. I'm a, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, all things human behavior, mm. uh, linguistics, etymology, anthropology. So I have many interests and many, many uh, tangents that I can go off on should you choose to follow one of them. Yeah, okay. Well, before I'm feeling, because I'm very receptive, like how I work and how I jam sure. is like what's here, what's what's tapping at us to come through. And the like a question that I've got coming up is like, were you always into all of those things or how did you come to be uh, running a space called the South Mastery Life? Mm -hmm. um, how did we, you know, become um, acquainted and how did you get into the space? Like what was the contrast between before and after? Yeah. Yeah. There are so many layers to that, Jade. I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll answer with a question and then I'll, and I'll elaborate. I just want to check in real quick and make sure that I'm serving your audience as best as possible. Sure. Who are the main people that are tuning into what you're doing here? Yeah. Um, so the main message of Mana of One mm -hmm. is, well, to get across that it just takes one person you know, to do the work. It just takes one sure. um, person willing to accept themselves a bit deeper, mm -hmm. to heal what they've inherited, I guess, and to be the example, to be the difference in their family line, I guess, or yeah. their generation. Yeah. Um, it just takes the strength of one person with their one decision, with their one um, choice, Yes. And yeah, to remain consistent at that, mm -hmm. um, to make a difference for many. So the, the manner of one inspires um, the lives of many. 
and who listens to that based on my uh, um, analytics is mainly Mm. women yes because that's who I have been speaking to although a little birdie in a tree tells me that that's opening up um, to also men and men do listen and you know I do get feedback from men but it's anybody who is wanting the means Mm -hmm. and the tools to empower themselves to heal, accept, and love themselves a bit deeper than they did yesterday, Dossie. That would be the main message, and that would be, yeah, the kinds of people, um, willing people, willing, curious people that want, actively want to empower themselves. Beautiful. Look, that's thank you for providing that. That gives me a great, um, great insight into how I want to relay the messages. So, I think the best way to do this is to offer a bit of uh, pretext. I'll, I'll preface this with a bit of back history, uh, because I resonate really strongly with everything you said then about acceptance, about example, breaking certain certain family lines. <clears throat> now, I tend to, uh, you know, I tend to not dwell a great deal on the past. It's it's not something that. It's not a place, it's a place that I've, I've been, you know, I lived there, I've done it, I've experienced it. Uh, and I've worked my way through the, the troubles and the traumas and the tribulations and trials of the past. Um, and I've done, you know, I've done an immense amount of self-work and, and also work in, uh, yeah, I guess, healing relationships from the past too. So I understand the power of, uh, I understand the power of, you know, learning the lessons that were present, that were presented to me along the way. Um, and I don't feel the need necessarily to often, uh, you know, dive deep into it. But as again, as pretext, I can relate with what you said. Okay. So let's go fast forward from say birth through till the uh, early stages of personal development, right? Mm-hmm. It would be, you know, a snapshot of life would be, a oldest older sibling of i've got well i've got a few half brothers and sisters uh born you know 87 so i'm 33 now uh pretty tumultuous upbringing uh lots of violence lots of lots of drugs mum was in and out of rehab i moved out of home at 14 uh you know anything that you can think of as like a cliche you know less than ideal upbringing I probably lived it, you know, I was, I'd lived in 14 houses by the time I was 14. We were getting evicted a lot, uh, always broke. Uh, then I learned at 14 that I didn't even know my real dad. I met him when I was 30. Um, you know, there's minor bullying and stuff, but not really like it wasn't, I don't feel like I was ever really a major victim of it. Not, not knowingly anyway. I think looking back in hindsight, I recognize a few instances where, it was like, oh yeah, actually I was being taken advantage of there. I was, I was a smaller, weaker kid and I was being taken advantage of. But for the most part, I actually didn't really, that wasn't overly on my radar because what was happening in the household was more of a, a, a pressing issue. Now, when I, <clears throat> you know, I moved out of home at 14, I call that actually moving into home. I was taken in by a, an auntie and a cousin uh, who I would refer to, you know, my auntie is essentially a surrogate mother now. But there was a deep, you know, there was enough wounding that had taken in the, in the childhood, Jade, where I, I had things to work through, but I didn't know how to. I didn't have the tools. I didn't, I didn't have the knowledge, the resources. So the last half of my 10 years were spent, you know, uh, really 
I guess, in a very immature way, attempting to deal with the pains of childhood. Um, and that was through, you know, common Western initiation, drinking, sex, all the stuff. Um, but what, what the catch was, was that my temperament was not very suited for drinking. So I was, you know, I was highly emotional. I was very volatile. Um, and around the age of, you know, 21, I had a, a best friend of mine passed away, unfortunately, at the time. And, uh, and that prompted me, you know, I found myself drinking probably like every, every night for a month or so. And it got to a point when I was like, you know what, I can't do this. It's not good. And it's not a productive way to deal with things. I need to just remove myself for the moment from this situation. So that led me to traveling overseas into the world of personal, personal development because it was uh, traveling in Vietnam in my early 20s when I met a gentleman on a junk boat in, in Heilong Bay and struck up conversation. And he seemed to be living a very cool life. You know, he was traveling the world with his wife, doing what they wanted to do, ticking off bucket list items. I found it to be really inspiring. And I was curious to know his story. He was kind enough to fill me in on how he'd taken the approach of semi-retirement. So he'd started a business and then sold it off and made some money and reinvested it and, and then downsized his living so that he didn't have to spend money on things that didn't really matter. Um, you know, the age-old principle of uh, buying assets rather than liabilities, Robert Kiyosaki, Richard Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant. Good books if you don't know them and you want an introduction to finances, check them out. Um, but he was, he was the one who really just sort of put the seed in me. I already had the yearning. I already had the desire to want to improve and get a better management on my internal systems um, and a better understanding of how I can carry myself in the world and break the tradition, break the beliefs around what, I, what and who I was based on what I lived, lived through in and observed. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of that stuff the programming happens on a subconscious level, as you know, Jade. And I didn't realize how many hangups I had around uh, money. You know, the fact that we never had it. And there were certain beliefs around people that have money, not being good people, um, but self-worth issues around me, like never being able to have it because at the core of me, I'm just a bogan, you know, I'm just a bogan from Rosebud who was born addicted to drugs. And um, I, I eventually, as I said, met this guy in, in, in Vietnam and he, he just made it sound so simple. And he's like, you know, you just, you need to have uh, the right attitude and you need to ask the right questions. He's very much about asking the right questions. And uh, you know, a common line that I like to think is that the, the questions are really a steering wheel of the mind. You know, your mind is like a Labrador and you give it the right questions. It's always going to find an answer to fetch. So this gentleman said to me, he's like, Hey, you, you need to, uh, rather than adopting a victim mentality and asking, you know, poor me, why is this happening to me? Ask, okay, how is this happening for me? Um, or if, if the assumption is I can't do something, then ask, reframe it. How can I do something? And it was just a couple of really simple tips he gave on the boat, plus a few recommendations. You know, he said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to buy cash flow quadrant. You're going to buy uh, rich dad, poor dad. You're going to buy the Kentucky story, only two seats left. He's like, you're going to buy uh, leaving Microsoft to change the world by the four, the four hour work week. 
um, Jim Rohn, Seven Strategies for Wealth and Happiness. He gave me a list of books. And I was like, I love your style. I'm, of course, I'm going to do that. So being the avid uh, knowledge enthusiast that I am, I yeah, bought the books. I read them. I studied them as I do with all my books. I'm forever highlighting them and going back over them and, and just looking for the gems, the, the things that are really going to you know, make the most impact, which are also uh, you know, the most applicable at the time of reading. Because that's the thing I, I keep finding I, with the highlighting, I'll pick up books years later and reread something and be like, oh man, that made a certain level of impact on me back then. And I had a base level of understanding about it. But now as I've progressed on my own evolution, this is more relevant than ever. It makes more sense than ever before. Um, so that was the birth around the early 20s. That was the birth of the quest of personal development. Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's so cool. Also to hear your story and hear a bit more of your story as well. Yeah. I love how you speak. It's very poetic and um, yeah, the stories, you know, the stories are powerful. Just like, yeah, yeah. It's great. Thank you. Um, speaking of quests, like yes. let's just get into that real quick. Yeah. Um, and because it's just what popped up, but you, you were on one last week. And um, would just love to hear about that, your learnings, um, you know, obviously, yeah, it's not, it's not something people commonly do is to do what you've done, go away and um, be on a vision quest, whatever that means. And you're going to tell us. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you certain aspects. So something yeah. I've, I've learned since doing the quest uh, that I didn't know prior to doing it. So originally I said to you, I'm like, yeah, I'll fill you in afterwards. Uh, I, learned, I learned when I was on it, it's like, actually, it's like Fight Club. You know what happens in Fight Club stays in Fight Club or you don't talk about it rather. But uh, I, I can introduce the framework. I can tell you how it works. I can't necessarily go into detail, although I will, you know, I'm happy to share a couple of little revelations that I had. Um, and before I do, actually, I just want to fill a quick gap because I just realized I've brought you to speed really promptly uh, to, you know, my early 20s in the introduction, you know, the, the first foray into the world of, of personal development. But I kind of just left everything hanging within the 10 year. 10 year gap then so let me just <laughs> I'll, you, I'll go, kind of, you go where you need to go and um and it will it will flow the boat will go where it needs to go as we said at the, the start boat will go where it needs to go um yeah so the, the 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 gap to be filled there is essentially um i was doing my own personal work for a few years you know just reading books and studying and going to seminars and doing all the, you know, doing all the, the typical uh, personal development quests, going to Tony Robbins and, and so on and so forth. And at the same time, I started to become a wellness coach. So for about three, four years there, I was being a PT and a wellness coach and learning everything there was to learn about the body and, and physiology and anatomy. And it was just, you know, I really enjoyed understanding how the, the, the person, the unit works. Um, and I think, you know, really that is a necessary understanding in life. And there's really no reason, reason to not understand it, considering we, you know, our souls are carried around in one of these physical meat vessels for the better part of a hundred years. Uh, it, it's a poor, I think it's a poor excuse to not know how it at least functions. 
particularly when you sort of look at the core areas of life and how really when you distill them, they come down to three areas. It's, it's you know, your health, that's your wealth and your relationships. Um, so, yeah, I, I went down the road of, of uh, wellness coaching and, and then along the way, maybe five, six years ago, uh, started dipping my toes into the world of coaching, you know, went through, went uh, actually through uh, the coaching institute. So I didn't go through, uh, I didn't attend the coaching institute, but I remember, you know, I went, I went there, introduced myself, met uh, Sharon. And around the same time was when I met Andrew Pierce, mm-hmm. who is, who is our mutual connection. So mm-hmm. that's the other part of the equation that you asked for. How do we know each other? Um I met Andrew and he had just started his coaching business. So this would have been 2015, 2016 thereabouts. Yeah. And he, I had him do some coaching with me and I was like, this guy's really, you know, he's, he's got a bright future ahead of him. And obviously, you know, he's, we both have a lot of love and respect for him and he is doing great things. And he's, I know he's taught me a hell of a lot. Mm. And uh, yeah. And then since then, uh, it was just more like, okay, cool. I actually want to do more of this because I have innate, natural, uh, in, you know, intrinsic skills that come to me easily. But I think there's a difference between uh, doing something and knowing how to do it or knowing the mechanics of it. So then I went ahead and got my uh, NLP qualifications. And, and since then, this, you know, the green screen with the self-mastery life on it has been what's happening, been what's happening. But um that's the field, the gap there. Now, Beauty. the quest. I'm always on a quest, Jade. Always. There's always something. There's always something happening because it's become very apparent to me in the last you know, couple of years that my highest needs. You know, if you're looking, if you're looking at the uh, the four core needs or the six four core needs and two spiritual needs, as presented by Mr. Robbins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think for a long time it was significance. I wanted to feel a, a sense of significance when I was younger. Obviously, uh, Demartini principles would s- suggest that uh, we seek to get what we feel we lack. So, you know, me wanting significance was a, an indicator or a signpost that I was feeling insignificant. Now, in recent times, I've done a massive journey myself around acceptance and uh, self-appreciation. So that significance is not even it's not even on my radar anymore. It's just like if it comes great, but I don't need it. Cause I give it, you know, I give it to myself, but what I've worked out in the last couple of years is I've very, uh, yeah, organically just kind of progressed to the needs of growth and, and contribution really are my, my core needs So growth being my highest, my highest value, uh, you know, is reflected in the fact that I have so many, books and I'm learning all the time and I'm always uh, writing and reflecting and, and, and the fact that I'm always doing things that are going to grow me in some way. And in the way that growth naturally occurs, it's usually by getting outside the comfort zone. So, you know, there are a few challenges I said a few years ago, I started a little social enterprise about five years ago. Uh, well, I co-ran it actually with a, a friend of mine and it was a project to help the people sleeping rough on the streets of Melbourne. It was called the shine a light project. And we, you know, we had a pretty crazy idea and within the space of 12 weeks, we were able to get it really off the ground really quickly. Um, we raised over seven and a half thousand bucks, uh, bought, I think 75 backpack beds to donate to people that sleep on the streets of Melbourne. But as part of that, uh, you know, social project, I went and slept on the streets for just under a week just to see what it was like. 
And, um, you know, that was challenging. I remember that being like, far oh, out. this is, this is tough work. The first night I was just, you know, I could hardly sleep at all. Um, it's just uncomfortable. You're worried people are going to sort of kick you or spit on you or, you know, attack you. And or speaking in the eye, I was worried about those things. And, and then, you know, I ended up getting half an hour sleep that night being woken up by a, uh, about 9.30 in the morning. I went to bed about nine o'clock out in front of Southern Cross and I was woken up at 9.30 by someone just sort of kicking me a, um, you know, I don't know, a cleaner or whatever at the Southern Cross station or security rather and telling me to move on. And then I was just fried for the whole week and I was like, wow, this is like, this is actually, this would be a really hard thing to do long-term and be homeless. Um, so that was, that was an example of like an, uh, an experience that was outside of the comfort zone, which was actually for altruistic reasons. It was for reasons outside of myself, but there was growth that was happening in the process. Now, the quest that I just went on last week in comparison was same, same, but different because the setting, the scenery was very different rather than being in the city. I wasn't and surrounded by people. I was surrounded by no one. A vision quest is essentially a fast, a fasting from all things familiar and that means technology. It means, uh, you know, cameras, phones, books. So I can't, book, I can't read. I can't write. No pens, no paper. Uh, food. So no food for four days. And, and as I said, I think at the very beginning of this call or before we press record, you know, I'm a Taurus. I love food. I just live for it. So I, I found it really hard. Uh, the, the vision quest is... It was one of the worst and best things I've ever done. This is the way I'm kind of thinking about it at the moment. Um, just the way, just the way it unfolded. You know, I was, I was in the rain all last week. It was just hazy, rainy weather. You know, I had no watch. So I got my watch on right now, but I had no watch on at the time. Never know when the sun is. And I'll tell you what, Jade, I've never felt a day feel so long as it did each day out there. And it's just, it's amazing how, how much time one realizes, you know, I realize I have available to me uh, when I'm not doing anything, right? When there's absolutely nothing to do or nowhere to be or no food to, be, to distract oneself with or anything like that, it just became so evident. I was like, wow. It's been probably like three hours, but it feels like it's been 15. And uh, and the mind just plays tricks. You know, the first day I was just like, what am I even doing out here? Why am I paying why am I paying money? <laughs> why am I paying money to be alone out in the bush in the rain, starving, basically, you know? And and then what what I found was I think the second day through, I started thinking like, oh, I've got the medicine. I got what I needed. I'd had some revelations and some breakthroughs had come through for me. And I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe I can just go. Maybe I don't need to be here anymore. But then there's a part in me that knows better and says, you know, you need to be broken down and be rebuilt. And I just, I kept kind of saying it to myself, be here, be here now. And, and don't wish the experience away. This doesn't happen. This doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen every week. It doesn't even happen every year. It's taken me 33 years to get to this point. And, and it would be naive 
I think, and immature of me to, to want to wish it away uh, prematurely. So I just stuck it out. And it's not even the worst. You know, there are people that do vision quests for like 10 days. So four days isn't even the worst. But considering I'd never done it before and considering I did it on short notice too, um, it, it really was challenging because I'd only had two days to prepare. I got a phone call on the Friday saying, do you want to do a vision quest next week? And, and it just so happened the way my schedule had kind of uh, unfolded that week, just cleared everything. It just naturally, I was like, Oh, I'm actually free for those, for that, those few days. And there were just, yeah, a few, a few sort of uh, synchronicities that aligned, you know, to, to, to cast a sign, cast like a, 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 large enough neon sign in my mind like hayden you should you need to do this mm. including even a, a deja vu moment when i first went out and inspected the site um, it was down near bells beach in the bush and as i was walking along i saw this like house sort of in the bush and i was like that was in my dream a few weeks ago and it just was so clear to me and i was like okay Deja vu to me is I, I treat deja vu almost as a, a checkpoint. Like it's just a, a little, oh yeah, you're meant to be here right now. Like this is the cosmic, you know, the cosmos saying this is this is supposed to be. So that happened and I just said, cool, I'm in, sign me up, let's do it. And uh yeah, as I alluded to, Jade, it was just the hungriest, the loneliest, and probably the most tired I've ever been. And I felt disgustingly weak at the end of it. It was crazy. Um, but at the same time, I almost never have felt better. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful, bro. <laughs> Beautiful. And like, as, as you know, we were speaking about, you know, my week as well. And it kind of sounds, you know, similar, like, the theme of being broken down and wanting to wish it away and uh -huh. um, do many other things so that just the feelings and the experiences in the current circumstances will change um, and trying to control and, and yeah, like orchestrate different to what we've been given uh -huh. is, you know, we do that so much in life and, you know, you were on your quest and, you know, as we had spoken about, and I'll share here, like my grandfather had passed away this week and I was, I'm here in Melbourne. He was in New Zealand and all of my family is back home. I was the only one that wasn't back home. Um, and to, yeah, it was pretty rough. And that last piece that you just said, like just feeling disgustingly weak and yet feeling really good as well like feeling like you've just been broken and you know broken down yeah um um you know and then throughout the weekend i was like you know there, there is like what am i being taught here what am i being asked to learn here um why am i here yeah what is it i'm here for it's not about you know the story and on the surface it's like what am i here for mm. and really soaking in those lessons so kind of sounds like we had a similar yet very different week to come together on this episode to, to kind of weave these messages in here um it sounds really good like it's mm. like on on point yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I get look and apologies for well not apologies, but uh condolences for your loss. Um you know, everyone has their own way of grieving and and dealing with death and their own relationships with it too, or their own relationship to it. And uh and that's that's certainly that something that I had a lot of conversations around myself while I was in the bush. You know, I was I was I was really reflecting on what it means to me. And I, I've been when it comes to death, I've been dabbling deep uh, for the last year or so on that and really challenging a lot of my uh, historical beliefs around it. And, you know, I think there, if we're talking about growth and evolution, Jade, there are certain things in the last few years, certain events that have really <clears throat> uh, been served as a catalyst for me just kind of making adjustments to my to my beliefs around death you know a few years ago i would have called myself a pretty staunch atheist in my in my mid-20s i was reading a lot of you know richard dawkins and uh, listened to a lot of sam harris and oh maybe sam harris wasn't on the scene yet yet at that point but um you know i was very much following what what i would re refer to as uh you know scientist dogma um or the or the the religion of scientism and uh yeah. And then it just, I had a few experiences, namely with psychedelics that really started opening the, uh, the doorways, you know, opening doors of perception for me. And I just started really considering uh, that I'm not just a, you know, an, an accidental meat suit that, uh, that has a finite amount of time on this earth. And then I die and then it's black forever but uh but rather that i am that i am really eternal and that uh you know reality well yeah the question is how deep do you want to go but it's uh can i can i share something like my heart is burning hit me um and i'm like can, yeah do one you go yeah i'm like oh you can't make this shit up um so these are the conversations that I've just been having with my inner circle because it is so foreign. Same thing for me, like, and I've done a few, a very few videos on this, like in the last couple of days, but what I believe has been happening in the last four days, my, my grandfather was a staunch Christian mm -hmm. you know, and our family was divided. Some were for it. Some weren't, were so not for it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for me, you know, I dabble deep and I just see like, the BS that is like that religion brings, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for me, well, that I see it bringing. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I've just rejected the whole, the whole thing. Sure. Um, you, you know, any spiritual teaching, I'll spin it seven ways till Sunday. So it doesn't sound like Jesus, God, you know, it's more universe source void, blah, you know? Um, anyway, long story short, Saturday, Friday, around that time, um, huge visions were coming in. And um, I was like, I can't, like, I can't, I can't explain this, but I didn't do this. Like there were just too many conversations in one day, things being woven where I was like, I didn't do this. So what, so then what? And long story short, what I realized was that I have 32 years old now, and I have been kind of living as if like, 
believing in the universe and and you know divinity and stuff but there was still that separation there was still that separation or like I'm doing something or that the glory is coming to me in some way you know like when I succeed it's on me you know and yet over the last week as weak as I've felt and as broken as I've felt it was all also this yeah this the strengthening and this deep surrender on another level and like as you know like we work in the space and yet there's always new levels Mm. and so yeah like for me I'm like whoa one of the key phrases of my weekend has been like whoa Jesus is like the original gangster like he is the original gangster like I've been watching bible study movies which I would never do um you know and just realizing like just the depths and stuff and anyway um I'm still trying to it's so raw I'm trying to navigate even using the the phrase that Jesus is gangster is still kind of making it somewhat cool like and safe for me to talk about it Mm. because there is so much dogma and I was talking to um Atlas on one of his posts Atlas um yeah um, talisman talisman yeah yeah and I was like I was watching these Bible study movies and then he wrote this post, long story short, I was like, whoa, what you just wrote is what I've been thinking, which is this conversation. And um, then we just got into it and he was like, right, I'm kind of like wanting to, I'm, I'm really curious about taking the bone of dogma and starting to nibble around it even deeper and like really um, absorbing the, the, um, the sacred nutrients of, yeah. of divinity. And I'm like, right, like, that what you all just said like that yes me this is what's happening yeah and um yeah so now that you bring it up again I just wanted to share that because I'm just like oh you can't make this up like it's just another weaving you know right here right now in this space and we've yeah it's like it was meant to be on this day that we're speaking about this and weaving it you know even deeper so yeah what do you wherever you want to take that add to um yeah i just wanted to share sure thank you for sharing it's beautiful and um i i like that you just brought atlas's name up actually he's someone that i i i tend not to uh i don't particularly lately i'm taking a bit of a back step away from social media um for multiple reasons but the the thing that i find in the space that we're in jade is that there's just a lot of it, you know, it feels very saturated at times. And, and it feels like in a sea of good intentions, there's a lot of sameness and Atlas for me is uh, an exception to that rule. And I think, you know, he doesn't even necessarily fit in, in the box because he's, he's not a coach, but he's just a very uh, interesting, abstract and philosophical type thinker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and obviously his art is what drives him. So I really, I really resonate with, a, I, I tune into what he does probably more than anyone else that's on my feed, just because I like, I like that. I like that he delves in, he, he dabbles deep, but it's also very abstract. Um, and it's coming, a lot of it is coming from a, uh, not a place of authority, rather a, a place of curiosity. Oh, yeah. He does it really well, and he's also very articulate and eloquent in the way that he speaks. So, I, I do, I do appreciate him, and and I appreciate you bringing it up. Mm. Furthermore, uh, yes, when it comes down to the language around 
religion, um, you know, namely Christianity in, in, in the West, but pick a religion doesn't, doesn't really matter. What I've come to realize in recent times <clears throat> is, and, and what works best for me is not to look at them. I think that's what was really bothering me about them uh, years ago when I was trying to give them a chance. You know, I remember like picking up, I used to work in hotels when I was younger and in a lot of hotels, they keep the, um, the Bible in the, in the drawer. I remember like pulling a Bible out of a drawer once and just being like, I'm going to just read a few pages and see what this is about. And I read like three pages. I was like, this is the biggest load of shit I've ever read. I'm like, how do people buy this? And it's because I was looking at it through my scientific, you know, my scientism dogma lens. And I was like, obviously like evolution takes billions of years. You don't create a world in seven days. And we're like, all that stuff was coming out, right? Because I was seeing it from where I was at. This is the this is the thing. People can only project from the level that they're at. Now, I know that in hindsight, but back then I was just like, this makes no sense, literally speaking. Um, what what really started, uh, I guess, sowing the seeds of possibility for me was reading and, and tuning into. I don't know how much you tune, and I, I don't know why, but he seems to be very controversial. But Jordan Peterson. Yep. Twelve rules for life. Yeah, fantastic. Like, I love that book. And I think, you know, love him or hate him, he's very intelligent. And what he does well is he, particularly when he's talking about religion, because he did his whole religion series ages ago, he talks about <clears throat> myth. You know, he's not looking at religion in a literal sense. He's looking at it in a metaphorical sense. And that's what really sort of started to open my eyes up a bit because when he's taking, you know, passages from the Bible, he's not saying, you know, you, you actually have to kill your child to please the God, right? Mm -hmm. But it's about sacrifice as a metaphor. At what at what uh, level are you prepared to sacrifice for that which you love? You know. Yes. So the and you said earlier at the very start, whether it was on the call or before it, you mentioned uh, a hill. You know, I think was the word you used. We're, we've all got our hills. And I feel like uh, the dismantling of my own dogma and beliefs around religion and what it's supposed to be or spirituality and what it's supposed to be is something that I've really been dismantling the last couple of years. And now I'm at a point. So like you, I used to have real trouble even saying like using the word God or using, mm -hmm. um, you know, I couldn't, if anything, the, like the the as woo as I would get would be like, oh, maybe the universe is working in mysterious ways type of thing. And and then I would kind of substitute God for universe. And now, <clears throat> and now I'm sort of a, I'm finding myself at a place where not even and I'm not limiting this conversation here purely to religion, but everything. Um, I'm at a point now when I recognize that everything is subjective, right? So it doesn't matter what label you give it, right? My, my meaning of anything is not going to be a hundred percent in alignment with yours. And it's not going to be in a hundred percent line with someone else's, but as long as the meaning I make of it makes sense to me, that's all that matters. Um, so, and then just, I'm gonna I'm gonna loop back around here because I can feel there's a whole thread going on, where one of the reasons I love NLP and the re NLP has actually changed my life because it, it 
it helped me to, as I see it, step outside of the matrix. It helped me to see the world more as it is, not what I believe it to be, and realize the biases of my subjectivity, right? And realize the, the limitations of the lenses that I'm viewing everything, all events and happenings through. So then it starts begging the question, well, then what is reality and what is life? And actually, here's a revelation that I, I had the other day when I was out in the, in the bush. I was thinking about life. You know, re reality, can't, reality in its purest form can't be labeled because uh, anytime you label or assign any meaning to it, it becomes a distortion of itself. So life in its human form, all lives, you know, life is a distraction of reality. Each life is a distraction of reality. And each interpretation of each life is a distraction of reality. And distraction broken down, uh, you know, if you were to break it apart, I've sort of, I, I assigned it. So this makes sense to me, distance from real action, right? Dist, distance, r, real action. So the, in a, in a, in a really practical sense, if, if you find yourself being distracted, right? And you can try this from now on. It's a really cool little trick. But uh, you might be like, oh, I'm distracting myself. Okay, cool. That means I'm distancing myself from the real action. What's the real action I'm supposed to be taking? It's just a, a good quick reminder to bring you back to where you want to be or where you would like to be. But um, applied that to reality too. So reality itself is the real action, right? Reality is the real action. This this like that's not a cup i don't know i don't know how deep you've gone down that rabbit hole you know i rewatched the matrix recently and the kids talking about the thing not being a spoon years ago i watched that and i was like of course it's a spoon but now i'm like it's totally not a spoon i get it but um but being able to articulate that in a way that is digestible for many people is really challenging and this is Actually, this ties into what I said earlier about understanding things at deeper levels. You know, these are concepts I learned a few years ago. I remember when I was learning NLP and the instructor said, he's pulled out a chair and he's like, what is this? And I'm like, everyone in the class is like, it's a chair. And he's just like, it's not a chair. <laughs> and we're just like, of course it's a chair. And uh, eventually uh, it got to the point when my mind was pretty blown that at that time. And I was like, maybe it's not a chair. Maybe it's not a chair. And now, now that I get, you know, obviously the way the mind generalizes, deletes, distorts information, you know, we're filtering things through our meta programs. I think filtering things through our languages, you know, this isn't called in its simplest form, you know, that's not, that's not called a cup in uh, Mozambique, you know? So this only fucking, where is it? This only means cup. This is not there. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> that's why your your background. It's not even there. It's not even there. Um, but yeah, so I've been really going. And a big part of what I've been working on lately. So this is kind of tying all the reality stuff together. Is um, it's like, well, what even is reality? And I started looking into like simulation theory a little while back, and that sort of made some sense to me. But there still felt like there were some limitations there. And obviously the, you know, the deep yearning for wanting to know the truth keeps coming. But then my mentor started talking to me, really making some really 
big statements, but statements that make a lot of sense to me about reality as we know it. Um, and essentially talking about, like, are you familiar with the double, double slit experiment in quantum physics? Not really. No, probably like you labels for me in that space of work anyway, they're just yeah. like, I probably heard of it, but I'm like, Oh no, not the double split of blah, blah, but carry on. Yeah. It's look, it's, it's probably beyond this conversation, but as it, I guess in a nutshell, if anyone was watching this and wanted to understand, make more sense of what I'm talking about here, we are, this is how you know you're not real. Okay. <laughs> this, I'm going to put it, I'm going to make it real simple right now. So <clears throat> there was an experiment uh, done called the double slit experiment. And basically uh, physicists, uh, particle physicists would fire uh, these tiny, tiny particles through these holes. And depending on whether or not there was an observer, right, would, would determine whether or not the patterns that were made. So say that you've got a, well, it's a bit hard to see, but say this is a gap here, right? And they're firing particles through. Um, people will be listening to this, so they can't even see it. Just look it up, look up the double slit experiment. But basically what happens is the results either showed that if an observer was witnessing the act of the, uh, the firing or the act of the, the particles going through the slit, they would act as particles, meaning that the, the clumps formed on the opposite side of the slit would be in line uh, as, as particles. Whereas if you watch waves ripple out, like think of it dropping a, a stone into a pond and you watch the ripples. And what happens is as each ripple happens, it connects with another ripple and then it just alters the way it ripples out. Now, what they notice is when they weren't observing the particles going through, they were behaving as uh, waves, right? So then the conundrum is, well, is it a wave or is it a particle, right? Waves, everything is waves. We are all waves. You're a wave, I'm a wave. This is, it's just dense vibration. Everything is just super, super dense vibration. Uh, and the lower and slower something vibrates, you know, the heavier it is. So let's use an emotion as an example, shame, guilt, low, slow, heavy vibrations. They feel dense, you know, euphoria, up, high, outwards, lighter. All right, is that making sense? So the, the thing is the universe has a cosmic speed limit. This is the crazy thing to me. It's just under 300,000 Ks per second is the speed of light. So when they, st when they started sort of coming through, coming through it was like wait so there's a cosmic speed limit what would happen if one could go fast in the speed of light and this has been a question that's plagued physicists for years and it's like well it's an impossibility what you would see and this is what was coming to me out in the bush the other day you would see reality as it is in wave frequency right so you know, your, your background right now, everything behind you in your reality isn't in your movie. It's experienced or it is experiential by, you know, by your five senses, by way of your five senses, you feel, see, taste, touch, smell. But right now, it's not in your movie. What that means though, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. 
doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But if you turn around, everything moves. You know, the fastest thing is the speed of light. So everything is processing at that speed, which means that this is this wall, this microphone, this is all waves rendering as particles because we vibrate lower and slower than the speed of light. So anyway, it's kind of, it's kind of out there, but basically uh, I think that was where, I, where I'm getting, where I'm getting at with this. I've just gone on a massive tangent. I'm just, I can feel how excited I just got. <clears throat> where I was going with this was I really started questioning what death means to me. Uh, and as I said earlier, it's not final. It's absolutely not final. You know, there, there is a law of energy conservation in the universe and everything just transfers and transmutes. It can't be eliminated. It can't be destroyed. It just, it just changes. So is it like, is it reincarnation in the way that it's taught, you know, karma, you come back as a good person, badness, you come back as like a bad animal or something. I don't think it's as simple as that, but mm. I definitely think there is a, a transference of energy. Nice. Yeah. I, um, I love that. I knew you were going to bring it full circle, bro. And I totally landed. I totally landed. There's a couple points I want to make as we kind of wrap up. Sure. And one is that just how in sync this conversation has been, um, you know, uh, the, the journey with death and what it means. Um, mm. My partner, he's, he's, he's big on Jesus, you know, like he's a Pacific Islander. They grow up around it. And, um, you know, I would always be the one to like say in, in universe name, I'm in. And he's like, hey, don't choke on your food and stuff like that. But anyway, I would I remember talking to him being like, oh, you know, I'm actually like afraid of dying, you know. And he's like, that's because you don't don't believe in anything but you, you know, mm. but yourself. And um, anyway, long story short, we watched this movie. It's on Netflix. It's about um, a guy named Paul. He got locked up for just being Christian. And he told this story to the Roman soldier. And he said, if you go out onto the sea or on a boat and you dip your hand into the water, uh -huh. the water that's in your hand will immediately start to slip through your fingers. Uh -huh. He's like, that's a man's life. And all man tries to do is cup that water in his fingers. Mm. Seeking immortality yeah. and wanting to stay here rather than just accepting that that water is destined to slip through. That's that's what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And if man only knew that the water in his hand like comes from that vast ocean in front of you, that we are the infinite ocean that we can see in front of us, then he wouldn't worry so much about the slipping through of the water. Yeah, I, I love that. Like, fuck, you know, like, whew so deep that was that's number one just to kind of yeah mm. come back to your story that you know to time with your story and um to the metaphors that you also alluded to you know that um see like for me looking at the the stories of just now like looking at these stories from the bible um for example and having a bit of a nibble on them it's feeling what's underneath the words in fact when I was watching some of these movies, I was like, oh, where everyone got it twisted throughout history is like taking what these prophets said, literally. That's where mm -hmm. we all got fucked up was like, 
they try to understand it literally through their programming yeah their mind and listening to it too literally rather than listening to it from here yeah into it from where it was coming from rather than of course if you listen to someone say that they are the you know they are god you of course you're going to kill them you know like of course it's blasphemy whatever um so yeah just like adding to that too like i definitely feel it's time for us to like start listening deeper like man like as a normal as a mandatory mm. thing like listen beyond the words mm. and the labels and the meanings that we give things and the third thing, because, you know, things come in threes and it's just, it's just cool, um, is that I just really appreciate from where you've taken this journey with us in an hour, from where you started from, mm. and just the stories that you've woven and told. Like the message on this podcast is about if one person makes a choice to read a couple books that he got given on a boat, it's that choice to go at, at, like to actually go and do that, to go and actually act on that. And to, you know, it's that one choice that can change everything for himself, for mm. you, and also for many around you now, like what you're doing here on the podcast. And when you show up and when you speak and when you, you know, when you do your work as well, it's like those, those one choice, like that one choice that you made, to take that man seriously on the boat has led us to quantum physics physics and learning about the double split whatever you call it you know because i don't i don't attach to those names i just it's just not in my genes you know i just cool. don't do it but to hear your magic that's how that's because of one choice mm. and now someone's going to listen to this episode and be like oh what, what was that thing he said and who were those people and what were those books he lifted up and you know who's atlas and who's andrew pierce and who's jade benioni and who's hayden without an e and then the ripples keep going yeah you know and that's like i just want to thank you for all of that i know many times throughout the episode you're like oh i wonder if i'm like digressing or going on a tangent i was just like i'm fucking here for it you know wherever you take it because it doesn't matter it's you showing up showing how you made one choice and now we're in the stars mm. you know yeah yeah well, that's, that's thank you yeah i definitely find thank you by the way for the for mm. the kind words there yeah i definitely find that when i get started on a topic and i, I could feel the manic nature kicking in before because it's like it really excites me particularly when i when it's when it's really landing for mm -hmm. me which i had a lot of last week uh yeah in the bush and just things were coming through and i was like I literally just feel like Morpheus right now. I just feel like Morpheus looking at the matrix and it's like, you want to grab people and shake them, but it's also just like reminding like, Hey, you got to meet people where they're at. And I've got to say this to myself, I've got to meet people wherever they're at at any time, because not, you know, most people aren't spending their Wednesdays at two o'clock wondering, you know, what's the difference between a wave and a particle. Most, that's not happening for most people. Um, but the message is still clear. You know, obviously I want to always be the example. That's essentially my life motto, you know, be the example. And I, and I do that, as I said, at the very start, I'm the, I'm the eldest brother and that starts in the family. I'm always leading by example for my sisters and, and brothers. And they're always just trying to like show, Hey, the, you know, you're not defined by the blueprint. If you rewrite the plan, there, there are choices in life and, um, 
and it, and it, and it really starts with the self work. Yeah, man. You would have done your sisters proud on this episode. I know they were hanging out to watch this. You haven't been on social media, but we've been chatting. Um, (laughs) They've been, they've been sharing the shit out of this and um, yeah, like getting behind you. And um, yeah, it's like, I feel like that's a, that's a solid wrap. Like what you've just ended on Mm. is is everything. And um, yeah, man, like I'm just going to have a look at our comments, right. Just to see. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. If you have any questions or you want to dig a little bit deeper into what we're discussing here and how it might apply to you, send me a message on Instagram. There's a link above in the notes. Just click it and it will take you to my page. While you're there, be sure to check out my bio, which has got lots of free resources that relate to what we're teaching here in this podcast. So do that. Otherwise, we'll catch you on the next episode.